Good morning, Cross Point Church. I think Georgia just got the memo, not the team, but the state of Georgia, South Georgia. It is fall. It is fall. I got to break out my little sweater. It's uh, probably going to be 80 degrees by this afternoon, but for right now, I'm enjoying the cool weather. Uh, my name is Darren. I am the Connections Pastor here at Cross Point Church. David is out of town this weekend, enjoying just a little bit of R&R. If you are a first-time guest with us, um, I just want to welcome you here. Uh, thanks for choosing Cross Point today to visit. And uh, as a church, we just want to, to know that you can come as you are. And uh, no judgment here. There's no perfect people in this church. Uh, and so since you're not perfect, uh, you're welcome to be a part of our imperfect family. Um, I do ask that if you are a first-time guest, if you could, if you could a little time, if you can find this Connect card, uh, it should be one in your seat. And fill that out. Um, you can drop it off at a, a welcoming desk kiosk um, outside the worship center. And we just want to write you a letter. We just want to send you a letter. Thank you for coming and seeing how you enjoyed the experience. And that's all there is to that. Um, I just have a couple announcements to make. Um, first of all, this Wednesday, this Wednesday we have a fall festival at church. I got the little, I'm a visual aid type person. I, I used to be in sales, so I like to give you a little visual aid. But we have a fall festival uh, this Wednesday at church from 6 to 8 p.m. There'll be like um, games, there'll be food, there'll be um, a hayride, etc. Um, and so you're welcome to bring your kids. Um, if you want to volunteer, Michael said, uh, Michael Buffalo said that you're welcome to volunteer and all you need to do is grab him today or you can email him at michael at crosspointchurch.cc, not .com, .cc. In fact, if you want to email any of the pastors, anybody on staff, it's pretty much our first name at crosspointchurch.cc. Um, the last thing and announcements I just want to do is, this is something kind of cool. This is our fourth year, our fourth year doing Adopt-A-Box. The first year we launched this, we, uh, as a church, were able to help 75 families. We fed 75 families a box of food and a turkey for Thanksgiving. The second year we did, I believe, 135 families so, which was really awesome. Um, and then last year, uh, Cross Point Church, through your generosity, we were able to uh, help 166 families in our community with a box of food and turkey for Thanksgiving. This adds, it, what this does is it allows us as a church and allows families to have some normalcy at Thanksgiving that maybe they can't afford that turkey and things like that. So this is the fourth annual uh, Adopt-A-Box uh, campaign and if you look in your brochure right here there'll be the ingredients that we need for that and and all you need to do like any little bit that you can help out with is a help and this is which is really awesome about this campaign is that if you can only buy a bag of marshmallows that is fine we're good with that but if you can buy the whole box of ingredients and a gift card that is awesome too every level of gift is appreciated and needed and one of the other things that we need, if, if you can grab gift cards in any amount from Winn-Dixie, Winn-Dixie does a really good job of helping us out with the cost of food and the turkeys that cut us a deal. And so those gift cards help offset the cost of the turkeys and the boxes of food for Thanksgiving. And so we, we would take these ingredients. We have a day, we, uh, we usually have a day that we serve and we put all these boxes together and stack them up, usually the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Um, and so um, we'll actually have, a, uh, this week, we'll be setting up a display in the atrium and you'll be welcome to drop your food off over there. There'll be, you can just drop off, but you don't have to box it up um, because we're going to wind up boxing everything up ourselves anyway. Um, so just whatever you can give is appreciated. 
Um, I'm just going to open up in prayer, and we're just going to dive in and see what God has for us today. Um, dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I just come to you. I'm so grateful, God, what you've done in my life, Lord. Lord I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for a church, God, that has a heart of discipleship, has a heart of discipleship, God, to, to grow people in their leadership with you, Lord. God, not that we have knowledge, but that we can, Lord, that we can go. Lord, that we can go do, that we can help others in their journey. And God, I ask you today, Lord, I believe that there is something in this sermon for everyone, God. God I ask you just open hearts and minds and ears, Lord. God, that you speak through me to our church, God. Lord, I ask you just to be with us during this time. In your sweet and holy name, amen. Well, today we're going to finish our series. It's been an eight-week series called Salt and Light. The first four weeks was entitled Salt. The last four weeks has been Light. And the, the first week of Light, uh, David talked about a case for Christ. That was the title of the sermon. And we learned, look, we don't have to be ashamed of our faith, right? We're not ashamed of the gospel. and We don't need to be ashamed. And, and we, need have, we need to know the reason that we believe, right? We need to have that confidence of what we believe and why we believe it. And then also the confidence that what we believe is truth. It is truth. And in the second week, David discussed the need for diversity. That we're all one in Christ. Red, yellow, black, and white. You remember that song, you know, we're precious in his sight. Um, Jesus loves the little children of the world. I just had to finish that out. It would be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Um, but we are, when we go to heaven, it is going to be a beautiful color palette. And, um, and that is what we need to recognize. That Jesus and God, the Trinity, everybody up in heaven, it's not white, it's not black, it's not Hispanic. It is a mixture of everything. Last week, David talked about serving others and the concept of sowing and reaping as it pertains to the loss, that we all have a part in the process of salvation. Obviously, we can't save anyone, but maybe you had an opportunity to lead someone to Christ. But if you did, if you had an opportunity to lead someone to Christ, getting that harvest, I can guarantee you, someone else sowed a seed in their life. Someone planted a seed in there. It's a process, right? And we're all a part of that. We're all a part of that. And, and this week, we're going to close out. We're going to talk about multiplication. And we're going to talk about this concept of multiplication as it applies to multisiding, as it applies to our own selves. And, and as you saw the video, um, Nick Hampton, man, I'm just, I love to see what he's doing in Quitman, his heart for that city. Um, I get to work with Nick on a daily basis, and he's just a pleasure. He just loves, you guys, he just loves the community equipment. He loves Brooks County, and we love Nick, and he's doing a great job over there. And then you got to see Jeff Brewer. And, uh, and Chris Norris in the video also that, that they see something that's going on here at Crosspoint and they want to be a part of that and they want to take what they see here and what they're learning here and they want to, want to plant that in Madison and so we will be launching a campus in Madison and they already have multiple people, multiple families that are coming here from Madison already so I don't want to just do a sermon about multisiding we we're going to get into that but I, I really when I was thinking about multiplication I was trying to think about what does it mean to multiply? What is that, if we were to dig into it, what does it mean? Yes, you know, the multiplication itself is, is, is numerical. It's a numerical value. 
But I want to mention the word multiplication. I think it's something a little bit deeper. And that's what I want to dig into today. Because something has to happen before something can be multiplied. And when you think of the word multiplication, and I just said, maybe you just think about math. Maybe it's just a simple thing of a math equation. You know, 3 times 4 is 12. Simple. It's just a simple concept. Maybe you think of kids. If you're married and you got kids, obviously multiplication happened. Something had to happen for kids to be born. And that's a fun multiplication right there. That's, that's my kind of multiplication. Um, how about restaurants? Like Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A didn't start out with 500 locations or 1,000 locations. Chick-fil-A started out with one location. And then people said, hey, I want to eat more chicken, right? And then so they built two. And then they had three. Then they had four locations. And it just kept multiplying. But something had, what in the world? <laughs> All right. Something had to happen. <laughs> something had to happen for those restaurants to keep growing, all right? Obviously, they have a very successful model, a business model, but it didn't start with 100 restaurants. It started with one. What about finances? We think about the financial world, and, and I, I graduated from BSU. I had a degree in business, and I remember being in um, uh, economics class, and we learned this concept. It's really cool, like future value money, time value money, um, and it's really cool uh, compounding interest is a really cool pr principle. Like, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but like you, you, you save this money, you, you earn X amount of interest, and then in seven years that doubles, and then you keep adding, adding, and then you have a nice retirement fund as long as you keep earning that interest on your, on your deposits. And that's multiplication. You didn't get that nest egg overnight. It took time to build that. You had to be intentional. You had to be intentional. So to me, multiplication... At the end, there are numbers to it, but it's more than that. It's a little deeper than that. To me, it's about legacy. It's about building a legacy. Merriam-Webster defines legacy as something that is transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. And again, something that is transmitted. So I have something, I want to transmit it to you. It's, just, it's like an inheritance. It could be anything. Crosspoint, whether you know it or not, whether you even believe it or not, you are passing on a legacy. You pass on a legacy to your kids, to your friends, your coworkers, the community, the church. We are all going to leave a mark. The question is, what legacy will you leave? What are you going to leave for others? What are people going to say about you when you're dead and gone? I'm not trying to be morbid here, but I mean, don't we want to leave a, leave a positive legacy? To our kids, that we want to equip them to be world changers, right? When, we, when we're dead and gone, what do people say about us? Will they, will they say, hey, that Ralph, I mean, he was a good guy, he was okay. Is that what you want? Or you want someone to say, man, they're on fire for God. They raised their kid and their children in a, in a Christian household with passion for Christ. And they walk with integrity. What would people say about the integrity that you have? about your generosity? What do they say about your leadership, your servant's heart? What they, what they say, man, what an awesome person. What, what a legacy they're leaving. I want to be like that. And I want to take that. I want to pass it on to my children, to my friends, my coworkers.
to me, a good legacy, leaving a good legacy is about reproducing the best in us and others. Multiplication is the result of that work of imparting the best of us and others. That's where multiplication happens. This is foundational, church. This is so foundational. Before we can talk about multiplying, we need to discuss we need to discuss what happens internally to get to the point of that multiplying happening. And I got two points. That's all I got in this sermon. We've got two points and then a long speech afterwards. So uh, if you combine to these two, two simple concepts, this is not going to be like a super hard thing. Maybe sometimes it's harder to practice than it is to understand what I mean, but there's just two points. If you can believe and buy into these two points, I'm telling you, God will radically change your life and the life of those around you. And the first point is to build a lasting, positive legacy. We must allow God to use us. We've got to allow God to use us. We can't be the Lord of our own lives. Isaiah 6, 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, or here am I. Send me. Across the point, we have to, we have to buy into this concept of, of saying, Lord, I am a vessel. Use me. Use me. We all, in this building, I think most of us would say that we are Christ followers, that we are, we've, we've said that prayer. If you're from the South, you probably said a prayer, right? That salvation prayer. And maybe it went something like this. This is the way mine went, you know. Like, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Be the Lord of my life. Point when we say that, when we say, I take my life and I put it in your hands, we're not asking God to be our co pilot, right? You ever seen that bumper steer guy's my co pilot? No, he's God. Let him, be, let him fly that thing, let him, let him be the pilot. Why don't we want him to be the co pilot so when we're hitting turbulence, then we call on him? All right, we hit some rough patches and we're like, hey, God, where you at? Fly this thing now. Just don't wait for that. Let's just go ahead and, and turn to him. I mean, we already said it in that prayer, right? We already said, be the Lord of my life. And when we, when we say that, when we say, Lord, just don't be my Savior, but be my Lord, we're saying, God, I want you to shape me. I want you to mold me. I want you to prune me. God, I want to be more like you. God, make me more like you. John 15, 1 through 5. Says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. And I want to stop there for a second. But here, here we go, right here. We have to allow God to shape and mold us, all right? And he does this primarily through three different ways. He, he shapes and molds us through his word. So if we're, in, we're in, if we're in the word every day, if we're reading our Bible, all right? God will speak to us through his word. He will speak to us through his word. I promise you. I promise you. God will use people, and this is, this is really important right here. God will use others to speak into your life. If you have someone speaking into your life and, and has helped shape and mold you in Christ, you have that other person in your life, 
you also need to be that other for someone else. It's not just about receiving. It's not just about yourself being shaped and molded. It's about also paying it forward. And the last thing God uses circumstances to shape and mold us. And sometimes circumstances, believe me, I know they can be painful. It's a painful process. I'll share something with you right quick. Uh, I don't, don't tell anybody outside this room, but um, I used to work for a winery. Um, before I was a pastor, uh, I worked for a winery. Um, I had a chance to visit Napa Valley, and uh, it's really cool to see the vineyards over there. It's cool to see the um, the way that they produce and to cultivate the the fruit and everything. And I was on a tour, and and it was during uh, harvest, and some of the some of the grapevines had already been harvested, and the leaves are falling down, and some of them were still being harvested. And it was an interesting thing to see you. When the leaves fall, you got this gnarly, this gnarly bent up grapevine. And the reason they do that is it's a, it's a, they put these vines through stress, but also shape and mold it. A good Cabernet Sauvignon grape, it needs very dry, chalky soil. It needs gravelly soil. And they'll put just a little drip of water on there, just a little drip, drip, barely enough to stay alive. But what it does, it, it makes that makes that plant just focus all its energy on producing good, healthy, intense fruit. They cut off the vines and the branches that aren't producing fruit because that takes away energy. And this is what Jesus is saying here. is like, I am the true grapevine. If you're not producing fruit, you're going to get cut off. All right? And then that allows the plant to be more healthy. So you've got to allow God. It's a painful process, right? We may have stuff in our life, some junk in our life that we need to allow God to snip cut out and that allows us to live a healthier more fruitful life verse goes on and says you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you remain in me and I'll remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me and just take a little pause there we live in a region where religion, this is the Bible Belt, and everybody's a Christian, right? If you're not a Christian, what are you? You know, and, and that's kind of the attitude here. But a lot of times you can dig in people's lives, like, well, what makes you a Christian? Well, I go to church, okay? I stand in the garage, it doesn't make me a car, right? It doesn't, going to church does not make you a Christian. Your dad being a pastor does not make you a Christian. You growing up in church, your grandmother, and your grandfather, and your dad, your family being Christians does not make you a Christian. It makes them Christians if they're saved. The point I'm trying to make is that I don't look at people's words so much as I look at the fruit they produce. Tell me you're Christian. That's great. I believe you. But what are the fruit? What's coming out of this? What are you producing? I mean, you tell me your apple tree but if oranges are being produced, it looks like your orange tree to me. You can claim something and believe it's true, but the results are in the fruit that's produced. God's looking for those who are faithful. God's looking for those who are faithful to be used. But God's going to accomplish his will. He wants to use us. We're his primary source to, to share the message, the gospel. We are his plan A. There's not a plan B. He wants to use us, but make no mistake. If you don't want to be used, we'll pass you over and use someone else. His mission will get accomplished with or without you.
God wants you to live a life. I've talked to so many people that, like, Darren, I just don't feel different. I'm, I know I'm saved, but I don't feel different. And a lot of times, just dig into their life and say, you know, what's going on? Are you, are you in the Bible? Well, you know, I'll read it on occasion. I go to church on Sunday, and that's kind of their experience. It's kind of like a check box thing going on. Church, I'm telling you, and I don't want to judge here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to judge you, but, it, but if you hear the word Jesus, and you're not passionate about hearing Jesus and thinking about what God's done for you, and I think about what Jesus has done for me. I mean, he saved, and when I'm talking about a wretch, I was a wretch. And he took me. Spence was talking about earlier. He left the 99 for the one. The 99, I was the one. And if you've been saved, you're the one too. And if we can't get excited about God repairing marriages, about God healing, God mending relationships, if we can't get excited about that, something is missing. And this is not a judge. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging, all right? I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anyone here. But if, if that's you, I've been there, all right? I've been there. If that's you where you're, you're kind of like, man, I'm just kind of like in this funk. I'm kind of in this malaise. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. It could be. It could be. But you're not allowing God to use you because I'm telling you, man, some awesome things can happen if you're a willing vessel to be used. And I promise you, God will use you. My second point, in order for us to build a positive leg legacy, we must be willing to learn from others and we must be willing to teach others. I call this the Paul and Timothy model. This is any guy I talk to. Uh, this is kind of like the concept, and it's probably not anything new to a lot of you, but it's, it's something that we need to have in our lives. So if you are going through life and you don't have an older, wiser, as, as guys, if you don't have an older, wiser man in your life helping you, um, calling you out when you do some knuckleheaded things, um, you're missing out because that is an important part of the process of being cultivated and allowing God to use us is, is to allow others to speak over us, to help develop us. And then if that's happening, as we grow in our faith, as God raises us up in, in leadership in our Christian faith, that we need to impart that on others. So we need to have that Paul. We need to have a Timothy in our life, someone that we're, that we're imparting our wisdom on. And I also think we need to have a Nathan, which was, if you know, the Bible is David's best friend. And Nathan was there for him in everything. So we need to have that guy that we can lean on. Ladies, you need to have other women that you can just lean on. They understand what you're going through. They've been there, their shoulder to cry on. And we need those connections. We need those connections. And we have to be willing to allow God to, to use us in that way. I look at this for, for those who, who may be in that point in their life where they're kind of feeling a malaise, they're kind of feeling like, I don't know, I'm in a funk. I don't know what's going on. I can tell you from personal experience, um, last year, last year, even as a pastor, I'm kind of starting feeling isolated. And that's kind of weird because I'm in a great church, but I'm feeling spiritually isolated, and I can't really point anything out. I can't really, I don't know what's going on, and I'm, I'm starting to feel feelings of inadequacy. I didn't feel adequate. All right. I'll, 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 I didn't feel adequate. And uh, I feel like God was stirring something in my heart to, to pour out into others because I wasn't. I had a lot of 
lot of stuff on me, a lot of stress in my life. And God was like, you know what? Why don't you start a group with some other guys and just do life with them? And I kind of fought that for a little while, and, and then I did. And it's been one of the best things for me spiritually, like a spiritual revitalization because I've got, I got young guys in this group. I've got some older guys, and we share with each other life struggles. And it's been wonderful. It's been so good to my soul. It's been great for my soul because not only do I get to impart wisdom, I get to receive wisdom, and it's built a bond with these guys that's not easily tethered. It's not, I'm sorry, easily broken. And it's something that's really helped me out in my walk. And I'm telling you, you need to find someone. The thing about that is if we don't find someone, and I was feeling this way, we can tend to be like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, it's interesting. The Jordan River runs right through the Sea of Galilee, which is a very, a very fertile sea. It's, got all, it's teeming with all kinds of sea life, and it's, and it's, and it's just it's flourishing. And then the Jordan River leads there and goes down to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea has a high salt content. It has a high mineral content, which is not conducive to life. Fish will swim in the Jordan River, and once they hit the Dead Sea, they will die pretty much instantly. You find them on the seashore just covered in salt. But the reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it has no outlet. It's just enclosed, and so it's building up all the contaminants and the salt, and everything's getting more and more concentrated, and life cannot develop in the Dead Sea because there's no outlet. And that's where I was heading in my life. Like, there was no outlet. There was, no, there was nothing for me I wasn't being able to give. And I'm telling you, the life sprung back in this, this soul of mine when I was able to connect with other guys. And Paul says this in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, who would be able to teach others also. And this is what he said. And the things that you heard from me. So Paul's saying, what I've taught you, Timothy. Timothy, what I've taught you, I want, to I want you to take this, I want you to teach others. Not that they can just know, but so that others, when they learn, they go out and teach others. It is discipleship. And it's pure and simple that we don't just get to have, we get to give and then we train others up so they get to give. And it's a beautiful, beautiful process. And when we put that time and effort into doing this, people will grow in their faith. That's how Crosspoint started, right? In the living room. In the living room, 11 years ago. And now we've got a beautiful facility. we got a, a church on fire for Christ that loves our community. Because someone answered the call and said, here I am. I'll do it. And we had people that came alongside and said, we'll help you. And then the church started growing. But it didn't, it didn't just get this big. We didn't start out overnight this big. It started with a willing heart and a willingness to be discipled. I want to tell you that if we do these two things, if we, all, if we allow God to use us and we commit to learning and teaching others, we can, we can have a strong a strong foundation to leave a legacy that will last a lifetime, way beyond the years that we live. I was going to share with you right quick um, a short story, my story, um, and tie it into multiplication as it comes to a church. 
Um, I grew up a, a pastor's kid. I, I was a PK. All right, my dad was a pastor, a uh, Pentecostal pastor, so it was a little, a little more lively than your typical Baptist church. Uh, some running, you know, some tambourines and stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But that's what I grew up with, you know. And, and, so, and so when I got out of high school, I really didn't, when your dad's a pastor, you get to see the ugliness in the church, all right? You get to see behind the curtain, so to speak. And so it wasn't I had a problem with God, I just had a people, I had a problem with people in God's church. So I stepped out of a church for about 12 years. Didn't want to have anything to do with church. Again, I didn't have a beef with God, so to speak, but I, I just didn't like his people. And, and it's probably why a lot of you I got the same story. If you've been de-churched and come back, it's probably because someone hurt you in the church. Long story short, we moved to Louisiana back in 2004. And out of selfishness, we decided we need to get in church, right? And so we started going to a church. We went to a big one, so we get lost there. You know, we're like, we just want to slide in, slide out. And over time, God just saved me. And that church radically changed my life, changed my heart, and there was this passion that came up within me to be like, I want to be a better man. I, I, I want to be a godly man. I don't know how. I don't know how to be a husband to my wife. What does that look like? All I've been is selfish my whole life. So I want to be a better father to my kids because I was a selfish father. So how, how do I, so I'm like knocking on every pastor's door. Hey, have lunch with me. Look, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Can you help me? Like, what do you do? And I'm telling you, Every time I did that, they, they, availed, they opened themselves up to talk with me. As I'm growing in my faith, as I'm allowing God to, to change me, all right, there's some cutting going on. There's a chainsaw. He's got a chainsaw after him. I mean, it was hurtful. I mean, a pastor tell you in love that, man, you are, you are jacked up, man. What are you thinking saying that to your wife? You know, and you're like, what? What? I don't understand. Again, they're willing to pour themselves into me as I'm growing there, and, and, and God is using me they're like, hey, Darren, you, you need to start getting some guys. You need to start doing this. We got guys that have problems in their marriage, and God, God has radically changed your marriage. So God used those, those trials and tests to now I'm, I'm like, all right, well, my wife and I help couples. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And, then, and now, now I'm starting to feel like maybe God's calling me into ministry. This is, this is the uh-oh moment. Uh-oh, I'm going to be poor. Uh-oh. <laughs> How do I tell my wife? How do I tell her? And I remember uh, that conversation, and I'm like, you know, I had the excitement, you know, I feel like God's calling me to ministry, but how do I tell my wife? And I'm going there, it's like, hey, baby, you know, how you doing? You look beautiful today, you know? You look amazing. Hey, is, is that a haircut you got? Did you, did you change? What do you want, Darren? What do you want? Hey, I was just going to tell you, I think God called me to ministry. What? What would you say? I, I feel like God may have called me to ministry. You know, and she goes, what do you... I feel like God's called me into ministry. And I, I remember her response was pretty much what I thought it would be. <laughs> She's over my dead body, will you go be a pastor? And, of course, it hurt my feelings. And I go crying to my pastor, you know, what is this? What is this? And he goes, you got to give your wife time. Your whole life, you've been dragging her around, following you. You need to let God speak to her. And in his timing, in his timing, and I'm glad I listened. I listened to that advice and about a year later, she's like, it's time for us to go home. I, I see a calling on your life. I see a life change happening in you. In church, what I'm getting at is we were going to plant a church here in Valdosta. That was our goal. 
and I heard about Crosspoint. I reached out to David. I was like, hey, David, I'm going to plant a church next to you. Would you help me? <laughs> I'm going to be your competition. You're kind of like that, you know. And David's like, hey, come on. Talk to me. So my wife and I met him, he and Nolanel, and it was great. It was, they were so loving and caring, and, uh, and we had a great meeting. And then like three weeks later, we came back and we went to our first service at Crosspoint. And that was in 2011. And, and then we went back, and we're about Madison, not Madison, Florida, Mariana, Florida. And we both, like, we feel like God wants us to be a part of Crosspoint because of the heart that Crosspoint has for the community in Valdosta and surrounding areas. It's the same heart that we have. And let's come alongside, and let's team up, and let's help the church reach people, reach Valdosta for Christ. And what I'm getting at, the reason we multi-site the reason we go to these places is, is because God is doing something inside our church. It's, it's never been about the numbers. You heard David say it many times. It's not about how many we seat. It's how many we send. But we also know through discipleship, through growing people up in their faith, that some people have been called to ministry as a vocation. We also know that as we grow as a church, more people surrounding Valdosta are going to hear about Crosspoint Valdosta. But maybe there's a barrier there. Maybe, maybe it's a little far for some people in Quitman to get over here, those barriers. Maybe Madison is a little too far. So that is why we're going to Madison. And Jeff, if you can go ahead and bring your team up now. I want to introduce you to the, to the guys that are going to be leading the charge for Ma our Madison campus. And we're going to Adel, by the way. We're, we're going to go to Adel, baby. I'm telling you. We're going to go to Adel. Don't know when the time is going to be. It's God's timing, but we are going to be in Adel. Y'all come on up here. Don't be shy. Guys, these, these men are leading the charge. Amen. Uh, They're leading the charge of launching a campus in Madison. January? January time? Somewhere in that area. Um, I wanted to bring them up here so you can, you can see their faces. If you are in the Madison area or if you are in Jennings or anywhere in that area and you feel like, hey, that would be great. That would save me some gas money. I want to be a part of this. Jeff and the guys are going to stay down here after the service and you come and meet them and talk with them, see their heart, see their heart for the community over there. And if you want to be a part of that, they'll talk with you and they'll show you what's next for you. All right? So I just want to bring them up to the stage and I want to pray for these guys. I want to pray for the Madison campus. I want to pray for our um, equipment campus. And then our future Adel baby campus.